the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. News just in in the last uh, eight minutes. Dak Prescott deal with the Cowboys. It finally happened. It finally happened. It happened. It happened. Uh, four years, $160 million. In less than five, we'll get to the information on the bonus or the guaranteed money. That's the most important part of all of this. But back to Russell Wilson for a second. It's interesting, Candy. I just saw a uh, Raiders fan, media guy, just say, and now it's three. And I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Oh, the Cowboys are off the board for Russell Wilson. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I do think the list that Wilson gave the Seahawks was a bit problematic. And as much as I like talking about the Raiders potentially getting Russell Wilson, it's not realistic for the Seahawks to deal Wilson to the majority of those teams on that four-team list. Am I correct in this? Because uh, getting Derek Carr back doesn't really solve a whole lot of Seattle's problems. I guess it would help them. It might help them excel now, but the biggest problem is when Russell Wilson, if he does go bye-bye this year, it's a $40 million cap hit. Ouch. That is crushing. And, And I believe that if they're going to trade Wilson, they're going to look to go with the plan I talked about, which is get a bridge quarterback and then draft a quarterback very high in this draft. So they need to get a high pick back, not Derek Carr back. So, Steve, this reminds me of something from baseball, and you're a Yankee fan. You're going to know exactly what I mean as soon as I start talking about this. Back in the heyday of George Steinbrenner, every agent that wanted his client to make money (laughs) – included the Yankees and said, well, you know, the Yankees might be in on this guy because they wanted George Steinbrenner to jump into the negotiation and start throwing piles of cash in there Uh to make it look like that the guy was going to get a huge contract to drive the price up on everybody else. So guess what? You know what Russell Wilson putting the Raiders in there tells everybody? They think John Gruden's a mark. They think John (laughs) Gruden is going to go out there and be the guy who puts in some sort of ridiculous bid where the Raiders give up 17 first-round picks and Derek Carr to get Russell Wilson. It doesn't mean that there was any ever any realistic chance of Russell Wilson coming to the Raiders. Well, let's turn to Michael Silver. Um, he's a self-proclaimed high-level NFL expert. He was just calling one of our hosts over on Raider Nation Radio 920, uh, Arando couple of weeks ago here's michael silver on nfl network let's watch him explain in very eloquent fashion what the latest is with russell wilson well there is smoke and there is fire we don't know what the outcome is going to be but there absolutely are trade talks involving uh the seahawks and other teams in relation to russell wilson now russell wilson because of his no trade clause can somewhat control this process and has uh, through his agent stated which four teams at this point he would accept a trade to. Uh, of those four, I, I believe some are more serious than others. Uh, you heard earlier the Cowboys honing in on Zach, uh, Dak Prescott, uh, but you've got the Saints and the Bears, 
possibly the Raiders getting involved here, and then it's also possible that he would open up that list because there are other quarterback needy teams who certainly would step up big, I believe, if Russell Wilson were in play. Uh, and so... What? Candy? Huh? <laughs> I'm just adding a comment to what you said. I'm sorry. I just I saw this this clip today, and I'm like, this. He was just he was just spitting fire a couple of weeks ago at poor Vinny from the RJ and, and Raider Nation Radio, and it's like, dude, this is what you do on TV, and you're calling other people randos. Keep going. Let's see if he gets to it. Come on, give us something. Does that mean it's going to happen? I, I wouldn't say that. I think it's something that theoretically could be patched up. But remember, this isn't just the Seahawks saying, hey. We want to see what's out there. Uh, you have a player who is clearly very, very unhappy, and I think people are, are naive who uh, would look at a situation where a player's agent publicly says, well, we're not saying uh, we want to get traded, but these four teams are the ones if we get traded. If you think that that is normal for a player who wants to stay with his current team uh, to put out publicly, you are vastly... Uh, misreading the situation doesn't mean Russell Wilson couldn't have a change of heart but right now it is absolutely frosty and this is a fluid situation and I think we'll have a lot more resolution uh, you know by next week good stuff why did you check your watch uh, because I got a text from one Jonathan Von Tobel, if, they, if you must really uh, want to know. Okay. But, uh, no, I actually but, thought you're during the bite, you're like, am I going to get this time back? Are we, are we going to get anything out of this? No, hey, I... This listen, meandering... What, what, listen, what Silver's throwing out there, let's be honest, this is a work of art. This is a way to cover yourself no matter what outcome comes out of this situation to say that at some point in your answer, you said something that was close to the truth. I think he said that the story was essentially a plant by Team Russell Wilson. I, I is this is did he say it here? Ari, fire it. I think people are, are naive who uh, would look at a situation where a player's agent publicly says, "Well, we're not saying uh, we want to get traded, but these four teams are the ones if we get traded." If you think that. That is normal for a player who wants to stay with his current team uh, to put out publicly. You are vastly I've stopped, uh, misreading stopped. I'm the now, situation. I'm, just, I'm getting more confused. Okay. That'll do it. By the way, Steve, can I just add one pet peeve to this uh, uh -huh. that makes me want to believe him even less? Um, if you're someone who goes out there and talks about how a player is talking about how we want to be traded, then you are the same guy who shows up talking about how we're pregnant. No, <laughs> you are decidedly not. Your baby mama, your wife, your girlfriend is, but the agent ain't getting traded. Just one more reason I don't believe him. Uh, let's talk the greatness of the Buccaneers on the way back. We're uh, doing a uh, just about daily path to the draft. We'll do team-by-team -team draft previews. We're going to start at the bottom of the first round and uh, talk a little Buccaneers, as uh, Brandon Kravitz is an expert down in South and Central Florida. He'll join us next.
Dust in the heart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. We kick off our path to the draft in reverse order with uh, Buccaneers preview as we get ready for the uh, late April NFL draft. And Brendan Kravitz is at the game in Orlando. What's going on, buddy? Feeling good, man. It's uh, man. It's early March, <laughs> but I could uh, I could dive into I could dive into the first round of the NFL draft tomorrow if they let me. Yeah, I was going to say when you have a, a Super Bowl winning team, it makes football a fun topic to talk about twelve months a year. Honestly, this is I have this debate with my co-host all the time. He thinks I'm crazy. The start of the football season, the lead up, the first couple of days, that first week, it, it doesn't get a lot better than that. You know, you, you, your juices are going. You get a, all the storylines in the world. Um, the major injuries haven't hit yet. Everybody's excited. Outside of that, you know, you got playoff time, which is great. This might be the second best time of the year for somebody that just likes to dive into the storylines around football. It goes start of the year, everybody lays out their predictions and all of that, and then now, because now you're dealing with trade rumors, you're dealing with free agency, and what we're going to get into in the NFL draft. So this, to me, it's like secondary football season. I love it. Well, first, let's talk free agency with the Buccaneers, and Brandon Kravitz is with us here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, who do you think is going? Who can they retain, and then who goes? They're not going to be able to keep everybody, and I know that they want to. You always want to bring back as many pieces as you can after you just made a run to the Super Bowl and won it. I have a hard time believing they're going to let Shaq Barrett go. That defense really, I mean, you give Tom Brady all the credit in the world for everything that he brought to the table, that championship winning mentality. Uh, But it was the defense at the end of the day that won this team a championship. You can't let Shaq Barrett go because he's one of the most important defenders they have. I think Levante David's going to be a little bit tougher to hang on to, but we know as valuable as he is in terms of being a captain on that defense, pass rush is just a more valuable position on the defensive side. So if you if you have to let somebody go, it's going to be David. And then on the offensive side, Chris Godwin's he's set to make a ton of money if he goes elsewhere. So it's really going to come down to he's come out and said, I'm not just going to go play anywhere. So if he gets a good offer from a good team and is lured away, I don't think the Bucs are going to be able to match that because they still have to watch their cap. They're going to try and extend Tom Brady, so that's a factor. They still need to fill a gap at running back because it looks like Leonard Fournette will likely head elsewhere. You want to retain Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. There's so many moving parts. But to me, it's Levante David, Chris Godwin. Those guys are out, and they'll retain pretty much everybody else, in my, in my guess. What do they do with the Brady extension? How far out do you – you extend him, and then how much of that do you actually expect him to play? I think you just extend him one more year just as um, a thank you or just some some sense of security for both, I think, both sides. Um, it, you don't want a guy like Tom Brady hanging out there with one year left on his deal. If he wants an extension, give it to him. But that guy's 43 years old. I mean, you can only extend him out so far before it just becomes ridiculous. So I'm thinking – um, maybe two years, one year player option in, uh, in the in the case that he decides to opt out. So, what was it like post Super Bowl? How crazy was it? Well, it was insane. I mean, it was. It's for those in Florida. 
we've sort of dabbled in the pandemic rather than just diving headfirst <laughs> sure, into it. Sure, yeah, yeah. But man, like I was in Tampa a couple of days prior to the kickoff of the Super Bowl. I wasn't there for the celebration itself. You would have no idea that there's a pandemic at all. I mean, people are just living it up, enjoying the hell out of it. And part of me is like, that's so great that they can revel in the success of their team. The other part of me is like, you know, we should be kind of paying attention to what's going on around here. But that part, the virus to the side, this is a this is a fan base that was just lit up for this team. You compare it to where they were in 2002. That was a steady climb to get to the point where you were in the Super Bowl. This is a completely different story. This was mediocrity, mediocrity, followed by mediocrity, and then you're good enough to get to the Super Bowl. So it was kind of just this jolt of, man, we're good enough, and and they rode the wave. People there were psyched about it. And that boat parade, again, wasn't there, but to talk to somebody that was on it, it was as crazy as it looked on live streams. Brandon Kravitz, Orlando, covers the uh, Buccaneers. He's on the game. What do you think, what the uh, audience think of Arians talking a little trash at the parade? A little bit dangerous, a little bit dangerous to light the fire underneath the Chiefs and other teams? I, th- I think so, but that's Bruce Arians' style. He's somebody that's always going to speak his mind, and some of it seems a little bit tactical, and some of it might be um, with aid of uh, margarita or, or two. <laughs> so that just seems to be his mode of operation. He's um, he's somebody that I I questioned whether or not he could really handle the the Tom effect, and I think halfway through the season it looked like it really wasn't going well. He finally leaned into it, realized this is how I'm going to have to work with this guy. Not that they weren't getting along, but he wasn't getting the most out of a Tom Brady presence in that locker room. And when I think he he let, he even admitted it, I let Tom take the reins. Once that happened, you saw everything start to shift a little bit. It was always going to take time. Uh, but I do give credit to Bruce Arians for figuring that part out. So we've already heard that you know the team has some work to do in the offseason. This isn't a complete unit that's coming back, so they're going to have to nail a couple of picks in the draft or uh, do a good job of scooping up some uh, cheapies in free agency. So going into the draft, their biggest need is what position? They don't really have – I can't say that there's a biggest need. They have a couple of holes that they could possibly fill. This reminds me a lot of last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. You went in and were like, what does this team actually need? Whoever they draft it's just a luxury pick. So that answer is going to really be dependent on what we see over the next couple of weeks with free agency, who ends up leaving. And then you'll be able to figure out what the actual needs are. As of right now, if you brought everybody back, their needs are, are none. They don't ha- really have any. You're never going to go broke adding to an offensive line when you've got statuesque Tom Brady standing back there behind center. So if they want to go that route, that's certainly a path they could take. Donovan uh, Smith might be a cap casualty before free agency so that's oh that could be a hole um but even if you're just adding depth we saw that that happened to the kansas city chiefs going into the super bowl they were ravaged on the offensive line so i think that that's a good uh, a good play for them they could use another linebacker there's a really good one out of tulsa that's going to be there late in the first round so that's an area that they can look and then i don't think they need wide receiver but if they lose chris godwin there's going to be a rondale moore uh, out of Purdue, there's going to be a guy out there, uh, Minnesota's Bateman, who'll be out there late in the first round. Luxury pick, though. I mean, you can even go to the running back position. If Leonard Fournette leaves, they've got Ronald, Ronald Jones on a rookie deal. 
Keshawn Vaughn didn't really turn any into anything out of Vanderbilt. Could they go Najee Harris? It would just look ridiculous with him added to that offense, but that's the luxury spot that you're in when you're picking 32nd. Yeah, that'd be interesting because I think a lot of uh, Chiefs analysts and some Chiefs fans – you know, after the season, we're like, man, did we really need Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or did we need more depth on the offensive line? Now, you know, you, know, you don't know that until the injuries come up. So that's why right. I kind of wonder if the Bucks should actually add to their defense and add to the defensive line because they could lose some veterans. They could actually get younger instead of those veterans. So that's that's an interesting position. Here's the other thing. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. and Dominican Sue is somebody um, yeah. that, that they they're, I, I'm assuming leaves perhaps. Uh, he's not what he was back in the day, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you add to that defensive line if you feel like somebody's there that that warrants that pick. That's absolutely a spot they can go. It's not an area of absolute need. Pretty much everywhere they look, we're like, well, they have someone, but they could use this. I don't see anything for them where you go. They have to draft this position. It's the path of the draft today. It's brought to you by. Our buddies over at Nova Home Loans, Brandon Kravitz is on uh, covering the Buccaneers. He's in Orlando as they uh, they cover that beat. I think the other fascinating thing about the offseason, Brandon, is the fact that the market is going to be flooded, I believe, with older free agents who may not want to sign a long-term deal because the cap could go down. So they may look to jump somewhere for a one-year deal. And in a lot of ways, this could feel like the NBA where Tom Brady and Gronk could recruit guys and go, let's go. We just won a championship. You can finally get your ring here. They may be able to get some veterans on the cheap for a year to come over and try to win again. Yeah, you know, I mean, that was one of those things that people talked about after that boat parade. You've got a lot of players that are in these winter climates. They're watching Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski having the time of their lives on a boat. It's warm as could be out there in Tampa Bay. And it's one of those things that it just sounds like such low-hanging fruit. Like, is this really what free agents out there – are concerning themselves with, or are they just looking at that trophy that they're tossing from one boat to the other and saying, I want my hands on that. Whatever the motivation is, I think you bring up a good point in that if you're just going to go pick a spot because I'm going to go one year and then we'll see what the NFL landscape looks like, where else would you choose but Tampa Bay? They've got everything set up to go on this run again. You've got somebody that's a proven winner, a team that's chocked full of talent. So no matter what position you're coming in as, you're not asked to do all the work yourself. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people thought if they can make it work cap-wise, maybe J.J. Watt ends up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All of that makes sense. Um, now, for for him, I mean, he wanted to get paid money that they just didn't have at their disposal. Right. And I didn't even know that they were going after him. But it's just an example of if you are out there as a veteran player title chasing, I don't know that there are many other spots that are better set up for success than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I think a good example would be a guy like Melvin Ingram, who I think is better than J.J. Watt, but doesn't get the attention that J.J. Watt gets and may be willing to take, you know, six or seven million dollars instead of some kind of long-term deal. That would be a great addition. Um, I want to ask you about the division. What do you think about the division? Because we've got teams trying to build themselves up, and then we've got situations in both Atlanta and New Orleans with the quarterback. Like Matt Ryan could come back, but Matt Ryan could also be cut, and they could draft a quarterback in the top five. Uh, So let's talk about Atlanta briefly and then to New Orleans, because obviously Jameis is still a big topic in Central Florida. And I think Jameis could be really good with the Saints. You know, they still have an incredible roster. This isn't a team that because they're losing Drew Brees potentially 
that they're just going to roll over and die. This is still one of the best rosters in the NFL. So you still have that to contend with if you're Tampa, but Atlanta doesn't scare you right now. They're in rebuild mode. Their offense is still good, but they're largely in rebuild mode. Whether they move off of Matt Ryan or not, that'll just give you an indication of how much they're rebuilding that organization. Carolina is still a couple of steps away. They're a good young team, but they're not scaring anybody. And so if you look at the Saints and say, well, we're not as worried about them, Carolina's still two years away from really being competitive, and Atlanta has their arrow pointed in the wrong direction. All of a sudden, this division, when Tom Brady signed on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I thought it was a great choice for him. The only thing that I questioned about it was the difficulty in that division. That's not something that he had dealt with before. In the AFC East, it was easy for him to run through that division get a first-round bye, and be on his merry way in the AFC playoffs. That was not going to be the case in the NFC. That proved to be true this year, and now you look at that division, and it's basically ravaged. So uh, that's just that shamrock, the four-leaf clover that Tom Brady keeps in his back pocket at all times continues to show itself in the way that how did this division falls apart, all of a sudden he shows up. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of upside with any of these teams outside of Tampa Bay, and a little bit with New Orleans, you know, if they get that quarterback position right. You think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to walk away? I know I saw a story this morning about uh, lack of interest. He's getting a little concerned, might retire. That would be if he's not overly concerned with playing. And I know he wants to play, but that would be a hell of a backup to Brady. I think that's another position. We, you know, we kind of skipped over that in free agency. Um, they may want to yeah. get something reliable behind Tom Brady. I mean, this this forty plus year old run here of uh, no injuries has been pretty amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Blaine Gabbert back. I mean, where else is that guy going to go? So he's a free agent, but they could easily just scoop him back to Tampa Bay. He knows the system, and he's somebody that nobody gets excited about Blaine Gabbert. It's not exactly a ringing endorsement. That was my point was get someone reliable. But he's not a terrible quarterback. Yeah. You know, he's just he was saddled with really bad teams. He went from Jacksonville to San Francisco before they rebuilt Arizona. Every time we've seen him play, he shows glimpses of being halfway decent. And he just has nobody to throw the ball to in a terrible offensive line. So I'm not saying that Blaine Gabbert's the next big thing, but I think he's good enough to back up Tom Brady. And you know that he likes that consistency next to him. Brady does. So, you know, maybe that's the case. In terms of Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think he really shot himself in the foot with his attitude last year and the way that he handled this Tua thing. It's admirable in a lot of ways. But so when I say attitude, that's not all a negative Ryan Fitzpatrick wanted to be the starter of that team. And when that got ripped away from him and he was playing well, he wasn't happy about it. And we can appreciate that in this business. All we want is honesty when we talk to people. He gave it to us. He said, I want to be the starter. I'm upset about this. This bothers me. I can be a mentor to Tua and also still want to be the starter. Nobody's looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick as the answer to be their starting quarterback. They look at Ryan Fitzpatrick in the same way the Dolphins did. Be our backup. And be happy about it. And if we need you, answer the phone when called upon. I think a lot of teams look and go, I don't know that I can bring this guy in to back up our youngster when he wants to be the starting quarterback. And he's and if that's what he wants, he's not going to go to a place like Tampa Bay because he knows he has no shot at becoming the starter against Brady. He wanted to go to Denver from all reports. And Denver's looking going, you're going to scare the hell out of Drew Locke or, or, or whoever we bring in mm-hmm. as the replacement and cause some sort of – controversy they don't want any part of that so it's crazy that at this stage in his career Ryan Fitzpatrick has become that guy that's making some noise in your locker room because we never looked at him that way 
But I think that has a lot to do with the reason why he's looking around. Not a lot of interest there, and he's just going to walk away. That's a great point. Um, last couple of questions. I'm getting a little nervous. I hope I'm doing okay. I saw you commenting on Oprah, the interviewer. What did you see yes. with Oprah where you were like, oh, my God, she is brilliant? She's in, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you asked about that. International Women's Day. So, you know, shout out to Oprah. Um, unbelievable. The, the ability to soften the walls of the person that she's talking to. She's trying to get information out of this person so that her audience can be delivered with as much information as possible. Her ability, knowing how big that conversation is, to ask the right questions, to, to, to ask the right follow-ups and do it in a way, this is the real genius in Oprah, is that she does it with empathy. I mean, at one point in the middle of the interview, she started tearing up and then asked a follow-up question. Who the hell does that? That's really, <laughs> she's either a great actor or she's that invested. And I'm complimenting her either way it is. I don't know. I don't know her personally. Either way, her ability to extract the needed information out of the person that she's talking to and get that information back to the people that are watching it in the first place and allowing her to make millions of dollars off this interview, it's absolute brilliance. I want to lose it for you on a very emotional topic, but I can't. I'm not really vested in it, so I can't fake it. I understand. Um, when I brought up Brian Fitzpatrick, I thought I saw a twinkle in it. A little bit, a little bit with the Jets history. Um, Mackenzie Milton is gone, so that could be emotional for Central Florida fans. How do they feel about him right up the road? I saw he just got cleared, and you know he may what, – what if he's a bang-up player and starts to turn around the Florida State program? People here are very conflicted about that yeah. because UCF is the is the little guy, feels like a little brother. One of the big brothers is Florida State. UCF's been outperforming Florida State by a good margin the last several years. So this is something where UCF looks, they want to continue to feel like they're bigger, better, and badder than FSU, yet you've got this quarterback that no UCF fan in their right mind is going to cheer against. In fact, there are going to be some people when the season starts that are going to be more invested in what he's doing than what their own team is doing because that's the kind of love that UCF fans have for Mackenzie Milton. There's no resentment towards him. Everybody's understanding and proud of his ability to just step back onto a field. Uh, but I do think that there's a little bit of conflict there because you want to see FSU fail if you're a UCF fan, or at least you just want to be better than them, not that you want to see them fail. But now you've got this quarterback that you want to see succeed. So – it's like I'm so curious because I feel like people aren't talking about it that much in the circles of the, the fans that we talk to. Uh, but when the season starts, it's going to ignite. And I don't think these people are going to know what to do with themselves. Well, Central Florida got a pretty good deal, though. How often do you lose a good young coach like Heupel? And then I think you upgrade with Gus Malzahn. Or is there a negative to Gus Malzahn? Do people look at Malzahn and they're like, yeah, he's on his last legs? Because I thought it was a, an amazing get. Early on, there were, there was about split 50-50. I think now that you've seen what Gus Malzahn has done and the energy that he's brought, some transfers he's already brought from Auburn, recruits that he's already gone after, some of which he's landed, and the coaching staff that he's put together has been remarkable in coaching circles. So it went from 50-50 to like 80-20. I mean, there's just not a lot of people out there complaining that Gus Malzahn is the coach at UCF. He's done an incredible job early on. He hasn't even coached a game yet. And a, a massive tilt early for a group of five schools, if I'm correct, uh, whatever it is, two, three weeks into the season, Boise State from the Mountain West Conference out here is going to take on Central Florida. Boffo game, super important for both. 
Oh, huge. Uh, that's that that right there. It's, it's like the group of five Super Bowl. That's the sort of aspiration. I know UCF fans want to constantly take down big, bad power five schools. This is what should matter more than anything else. Can you be the king at your own level and then go from there? Yep. Beating Boise State is a big step in that direction. That was a great spot, Brandon. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. See you, buddy. Good spot there with Brandon Kravitz from the game in Orlando. He covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and pretty much every day from here until the draft, we'll check in with local personalities to preview that city's draft outlook. We're about 15 minutes away from checking in with John Von Tobel from VSIN as he'll update us on the over-under win totals around the NBA as the second half rolls out this week. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. For Dustin DeHart's Club 99, back to Steve Cofield. All right, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Sorry, I just ran to the window, Candy. Did you make it? I did. I got it in. Um, bad bet, bad bet. Wild even against your Vegas Golden Knights. I'm talking to the audience. Sorry, folks. We got an update on... Uh, Stone and Petrangelo. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yep. What do you Both think? guys, we told you were game-time decisions that uh, game-time has arrived. The decision has been made, and neither will play this evening. Ooh. Okay. All right. I'm getting very distracted. There's too much going on here. There's a weird, there's a weird trade. I want to I wanna wait for uh, confirmation on this one. Weird trade in the NFL. With a first-round pick moving, but uh, that can't be possible. So that's a good tease, right? It's a good tease. So uh, about 25 minutes ago, I was saying, hey, we're going to get you the bonus for Dak. If you haven't heard, Dak Prescott has signed a deal announcement on uh, Wednesday, official press conference on Wednesday, but the numbers are out. Dak Prescott got four years added on to his deal, $160 million. So year by year, he's the second-highest-paid guy at the position well, in the NFL. He's making 40 a year. $126 million is guaranteed. And, and in the end, Candy, that's the important number, right, is the guaranteed money? It's all that matters in the NFL. That's what's real. So we know that he'll get $31.5 million a year minimum. The way this contract is structured, I've seen guys going back and forth between uh, Field Yates and uh, Schefter. I believe it's a $66 million bonus. The salary the first year is actually $9 million. And I want to get this straight. I, I believe – this is where I hate the numbers in the NFL. I believe – and we'll wait for them to come out officially. I believe that gives them some massive cap relief. I know it sounds crazy, but we'll, we'll get the numbers on that in the big five. So this is structured to help on the front end, but we'll, we'll get the number. I know. I know. I know. Uh. It's crazy. So here's what we start. Here's what we do in the media sometimes. And I say we because I did it. So maybe Candy didn't and he's not involved in this, right? But, like, right away I looked at the deal and I was like, 160. That's it? <laughs> well, first of all, like, put that in perspective. Dak Prescott got a $160 million contract, $126 million guaranteed. That is generational money for any normal person. It's an amazing, amazing deal. So, like, think about the people first before we start creating this. Uh, his dad, 
told one of the outlets in Dallas, I'm a lifelong Cowboy fan, and I raised the kid a Cowboy fan. At five years old, he told me he will be the quarterback for the Cowboys. I don't think God gives you those types of gifts to make them incomplete. So I guess the uh, the message there is now he's a Cowboy and a Cowboy for a long time, and he gets to make even more money as the leader of the Cowboys. This is – it really is incredible when you think about it. Just nuts. And I'm going to go back to the 2015 and, and 16 drafts and look up all the other quarterbacks in a little bit, but I'm pretty sure, Candy, he's the only guy in those draft classes – and we'll do this in the Big Five. He's the only guy in those draft classes that is actually still with his original team. What does that say? For a guy who, would you say he slipped? Your recollection of that draft, would you say he slipped? Or that was about where he was going to go? Oh, I don't think that you could have projected Dak Prescott to go much higher than that. It's not like he was coming off a world-beater sort of season at Mississippi State. Like, yeah. third round, I, I don't remember anyone saying, how did he get that far down at the time? Yeah, he, he went about where he was supposed to go. But I do remember in that draft, uh, Jerry Jones was rotting up. About two guys, actually. So think about where this is, is, is uh, landed now. He was all fired up to get Connor Cook. He was dying to move up to get Connor Cook. And the other guy that he was jonesing for, pun intended, was Paxton Lynch. Oof. Can you imagine if they had gotten their way in some cooperation from other teams and they had landed... Connor Cook or Paxton Lynch instead? Oh. Hey, John Elway, that quarterback guru, got right in front of him and <laughs> said, right Paxton Lynch, that's my guy. You bring him right on down to Denver. We're going to get rid of our Brock Osweiler. We're going to go with Paxton Lynch, and we've got our quarterback of the – oh, no, no, we don't. Yeah. Uh, more Dak Prescott in the contract. We'll get the word from John Von Tobel in the gambling world, some early thoughts on that. John, of course, is – member of the company, and he's over at VSIN. i got to go back to one thing briefly from the interview with the uh, the dude from Orlando who covers the uh, the Bucks all in that Tampa-Orlando area, Brandon Kravitz. I I said two, three weeks in, the Central Florida-Boise game is week one. It's actually September 4th, which also got me thinking, Candy, you know, you know this, we exchange story lists every day, you, myself, and Ari. We probably had, I don't know, 45 stories today. You know what no one sent over? Not one of us. The Mountain West Conference football schedule release. Do you know why that is? And I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. Explain to the audience. What did the Mountain West Conference do? Wait a second. You tell me what, the, what the, you're getting. The out football, here, the, the football way. release was sent out at like freaking. I don't. I don't know when I saw it first on. It was sent out on a Friday. Yeah, on a Friday. I it was know. like it was like the news dump, but with good news. God, why would you send it out on a Friday? Hey, they're far too busy counting all of those Ugh. huge dollars that they got from playing a UNLV Wyoming game on a Saturday night instead of protecting the bids for the conference. 
Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Von Tobel's up. What's up, John? Nothing much, guys. Just hanging out at Red Rock Casino. Just chilling. Okay. Awesome. Uh, let's get into the NBA here in a couple minutes, but I want your insta reaction on Dak Prescott. Uh, four years, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed. Yeah, and I think, is it like 70-ish million, like in the first three years or something like that, or whatever it is? Like, look, I think he deserves it. He's played at an extremely high level. Uh, I think he is the backbone of that team at this point. You saw last year how poor they got without him, and they were relatively poor with him as well. But, of course, they were had a lot better shot with him uh, at quarterback, and he's developed into a top-ten quarterback in the National Football League. So uh, I would say well-deserved. I'm, I'm really interested to see. You know, we talk about this all the time, right, the window for championship teams and, and guys on rookie contracts and paying your quarterback cheap and then spending the money everywhere else. Uh, that's a lot for Dak and for a team that's already at the bottom half of the league. What that means for them overall and their bankroll is going to be something to watch. But I, my initial thought was well-deserved and, and relatively cool considering the ankle injury and everything that was going on around him. John, we were talking draft props a little earlier in the show. The over-under quarterbacks in the first round at 4.5 has now exploded on the over to minus 590. Wow. Uh, this has become virtually unbettable unless you're really confident that there's going to be four or less quarterbacks. Right, and I'd also say, too, actually, Steve, uh, at DraftKings, at least, it got to as high as 640 is the highest price price. Uh, so you are starting to see some buyback there on the other, which you rightfully should. Look, uh, there is one quarterback that's going to beat you here, and that's Mac Jones if he's going to go in the first round. And depending on what you look at in terms of big boards and draft evaluators, the highest I have seen, at least in terms of, again, just big board, not even mock draft, just big board, um, is Mac Jones at, like, the 28th. Ranked prospect, and look, I know there's a lot of my friends and the recently have them going from the top 15. Well, we do this every year with quarterbacks, man. Like, these teams are smart. If they are an edge rusher away, if they are something away, they are not going to spend a first-round pick on a quarterback who's a developmental project. They will wait to take them in the second round. And save me with the extra year of control nonsense. We heard that with Drew Locke. We heard that with Hughes and Hughes, Sean Kaiser, all these guys. And yet all of the guys go in the second round and beyond. I have bet this prop under seat every single year. Every single year it has gone under but one, or excuse me, under but one. And that was a push when Lamar Jackson went at the end of the first round. I'm just going to do this every year. Like, we overreact all the time to the quarterbacks in the first round. And I'm confident this is going to happen again. Let's go, Candy. Step up to the mic. Get in here. Candy was making it sound uh, about an hour and a half ago like a virtual lock that he's going inside of 15. Come on, Candy. Bring it. Let's bet. Come on. What do you want to bet? Come on. We've already talked about this. We got all sorts of markets that we got to make between the two of us here because you're talking about even individual draft positions on these guys. Uh, Hey, I hear John's point. The hype train is certainly steaming full power ahead right now on Mac Jones, and I will be surprised if he does not end up getting drafted in the first round, but... We are surprised every single year when one yeah. of those things happens. All right, he's coming unraveled. He's coming unraveled. I'm feeling I good just about said this. I think Walk he's going to go in the first round. Walk what else do you want? Uh, the over under 15 and a half. I said I'll, I'll go beyond 15 and a half. You were talking big game. You're like, it's, a, it's the freaking value. You said the value at 15 and a half is incredible to go inside of 15. I said that you need to square up with me first before oh, we start stop. setting markets on other bets. Oh, come on. I, I owe you some something for some dopey chief statement I made. 
back. You'll, you'll have the money after the show. All right, John. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're on my side, John, and then we can both lament when uh, we can throw a brick at the TV when, uh, when Mac Jones goes, like, 13th. He's not. It's okay. ridiculous. Wow. And, and, like, look, his ground position prop is 15 and a half, right, because that's where the Patriots are. They're 15. Um, but we know the Patriots and, you know, their history – it thinks it makes a little bit more sense for them to trade back, do whatever. But again, like we're looking around this, I just think when I look at Matt Jones, like there is a reason he had to wait to play. Uh, there is a reason why he looks like you know a relatively in shape fat boy. Uh, I think this is a guy that is going to probably go in the second round, be a developmental guy. I get it, and you have a lot of positive words. Devonta Smith, I think, said that he somewhere along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, that he liked Matt Jones at least more as a quarterback and catching his passes as opposed to Tua Tagovailoa. Regardless. We see this all the time, and I will stick to my guns. I have a lot of history on my side. John Montobel's with us from VSIN. All right, let's get into some NBA. First of all, let's start with give me some candidates that eh, they won't fall apart, but they had a really good first half, and now we can sort of fade them in the second half. You know, Adam, I brought this up to Adam when I was talking to him when he was on, uh, you know, VSIN about what a week ago or so, Candy. But your boys, the Knicks, uh, they are a prime candidate for some regression. You know, the tracking numbers, the fact that they're giving up some of the most wide open looks, but none of them are going down. Uh, Zavich candidate for regression. You look at their schedule, especially at the start of the first half where they're taking on the big boys at the Eastern Conference, like Brooklyn, like Philly, like Milwaukee. Uh, this is a team that, from a power rating perspective, has gotten a lot better. Uh, and I think it's going to work against them when they get into some of those matchups with the big guys on top of some statistical, uh, statistical regression. That's a hard one. Uh, that is coming their way. And then the other one I think is kind of curious uh, is Phoenix. And, you know, look, I take this with grain of salt because uh, I think that Phoenix is not as good uh, as they are you know, playing right now. I think if you look at their schedule, it's been relatively uh, favorable. But if you look at their second-half schedule, tied for third with most back-to-back situations, they got nine of them. Uh, Twelve of their final 16 games will be on the road. Then you get nine games against Brooklyn, the Los Angeles teams, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Utah. That's nearly a quarter of your second-half schedule against the top teams on the odds board. And I think there is some regression coming for Phoenix as well. And this is me kind of sticking to my guns preseason. And so we'll see if that comes to fruition. But I think those two are the top of my list right now. Teams I have circled for a little bit of regression. You mentioned those Knicks. They are the, let's see, the fifth toughest strength of schedule remaining in the league. And and by the way, you want to talk about absolute cruelty, like should be outlawed. You know who has the toughest remaining schedule by schedule strength? Houston. Oh, my God. That's brutal. Adam, by the way, too, I'm pulling for your boy because I, I bet Julius Randle at 22 to one to win most improved. He's down to like five to one in a lot of places. Yeah, he is. So let, let's go. I absolutely. We we. I am I am rooting for that Jeremy Grant ankle sprain any time now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I, I I agree with you on the Knicks, though. I I I'm enjoying it for what it is. Let's put it that way. Uh, another thing that you and I have spent a good deal of time talking about, but it continues to move your direction, so I think we should keep talking about it, is James Harden for MVP and the fact that, you know, a guy who was out in the nether regions of this race has now squarely moved into the top five or six. Yeah, actually, in some global shops, Adam, he's as high as they're as low as 12 to 1. Uh, like, let's really come swinging around here uh, for James Harden. And look, you know, I actually wrote about this uh, over the weekend. You go to Beeson.com, check it out. I made cases for and against each one of the top seven choices for MVP, right? You can, and they're listed in order of odds and the best odds you can find them. Best odds you can find Harden at right now are still like 25 to 1, some of like DraftKings, FanDuel, those types of shops. Uh, but look, uh, look, my whole case for Harden has been, not, like, he should win the award. I think he's definitely got the track right now. Like, if he continues on his current path, if the Brooklyn Nets 
surpass the Philadelphia 76er, uh, he should be the one to win this award. Here's the thing, though, right? He's still got to build up to that resume. But he, I mean, when it comes to implied probability, when we're talking about him at 33-1, to 1, we're talking about less than a 3% chance to win this award, it's a little ridiculous, and the odds are starting to finally take shape. The season ended today, right? We always use that example. It's Joel Embiid should probably win the award. I would say he is the MVP. But you still have about 36 games left to go for Harden to continue on this track. And if they eventually surpass Philadelphia and Kevin Durant remains you know, in and out of the lineups, which, by the way, remember, we're talking about eight back-to-back situations for Brooklyn in the second half. They've been very, very cautious with both Kyrie and KD. So you're going to get a lot more games where Harden is still the number one guy. I still think it's totally in the cards on his current trajectory that he surpasses everybody and wins this award. He's been absolutely incredible. I can go through all the advanced metrics if you'd like, uh, but if you just have watched what he has done without Kevin Durant, because I keep hearing KD's name even though he hasn't been on the floor, it has been incredible to watch what Brooklyn has done with James Harden as their leading point guard. John, I'm not sure we want KD to get healthy anytime soon. We're going to win with Harden leading the way. Uh, I mean, I think you do kind of want him, right? <laughs> oh, but you're, like, your point is taken. Like, I mean, look, think about it from this perspective, guys. Like, their last 11 games, right, they are 10-1 and straight up and against the spread. They lead the league in offensive rating. They are second in net rating at this point right now. They have been absolutely incredible, and that is with KD playing one of those games and Kyrie missing three of them. Like, that's because of James Harden. And to ignore that, I, I think it's really foolish, and it's because people don't like him. It's because I guess he had five games in Houston, in which you know he didn't want to be there, even though he had three, where he scored over four, thirty points, and you know, one forty-point game. But that's ignored, right? Like, so I'm just—I think if you're watching, there is no denying how valuable he's been and one of the best players in the league. John, thank you. Yep, you got it, guys. There he is, John von Tobel. And yes, I think I will be doing we from here forward. Are you comfortable with that on the Nets as a Knicks fan? <laughs> oh wow, someone laughing at a Knicks fan. Yes. Yes. Kings of New York. Of course, it all started in New Jersey. That's why they're such a drawing card now, because of those Jersey roots. Harden and the Nets on fire. All right, we'll get you more numbers on the Dak Prescott deal. Dak is signed. They'll make it all official here, coming up with a press conference on Wednesday. But pretty incredible. Dak Prescott finally gets the money he was asking for. A lot of people scoffed at 40 mil a year. That's what he got. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.